Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. So welcome back, listeners. Um, We have another fantastic guest for you today. Um, We're really excited. First of all, I just want to mention that we've been getting so many guests this year. Um, You know, everybody has been home in quarantine. So we've gotten a hold of a lot of people that we probably wouldn't normally have gotten to talk to. So that's been really cool. And we're always looking for more guests. If there's anyone you would love to hear us interview or anyone in mind that you think would be great on the show, listeners, please let us know. Um, But today we have Mandy May Cheatham. She is an actress, writer, creator, and now consultant. Um, And I met Mandy through an acting teacher. And uh, we talked with her a little bit about Femme Regard and, you know, what we want to do with the company. And she really helped guide us in the right direction. So we'll talk a little more about her consulting later on, but I would love to just talk about you, Mandy, and how you got started and your first few projects and what led you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. Well, I was born, uh, <laughs> <laughs> chapter one, I was born. <laughs> no, I, I am born, I think it's how it goes. Um, okay, so acting wise, like entertainment industry I started um 10 years ago I'm coming up on 10 years in January and I was 35 at the time and um lots of people told me I was psycho to try and start a career (laughs) at that stage of my life Um, I had spent 10 years running a cheerleading business before that and done pretty well with it but um you know it it ended it was time for me to admit what I had really always wanted to do. And that was to, um, to be an actor. So, so, um, I bought the artist's way and did the, did started doing the book. And within the first week I had this crazy dream that told me about, um, you know, my dreams of doing comedy and being on stage. And I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, this is it. I'm an actor let's go. And then I went to second city like the next day and ended up cast in a play by the end of the week. So it was really, really fast. Um, yeah. And there've been several, you know, uh, moves throughout the course of the past 10 years. I lived in New York and studied at Strasbourg and went to, um, you know, LA back and forth and, and grew up in Toronto. So lots of studying and lots of uh, not only learning about the craft of acting, but I also wanted to understand holistically how the industry worked because I Mm -hmm. came from a business background. Um, I had built a company that I was operating in 14 countries by the time it ended. Um, And I felt like, you know, there's a lot of um, 
tendencies within the industry for people to just sort of stick actors in a corner, especially when you're first developing your career mm-hmm. and um, say so actors think this way. And then there's this whole other world that exists. And I was like, I don't think that that's, I think there's something that they're not telling me, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I researched everything. I edited my own shorts and um, on a little flip cam and went to markets and went to Cannes and went to the Toronto Film Festival and Banff and MIPCOM, which is a TV market in France. And, just tried to learn all the pieces because um, there's a lot to know about how everything works. And the more, you know, the more you understand your piece of it. Um, And it it, it actually took a lot of the pressure off in terms of what I expected of myself as an actor um, to show up with that. Like I, I knew that there were 14 people, if not more making the decision to cast one person. So it really like put that into perspective and then was obviously the gateway to me starting to make my own content and sell it. Nice. If that's a good short version. Oh yeah. I mean, I think your approach is really smart and a lot of people should be doing it that way, you know, looking at it from the business side and it's, it's tough because I feel like we're not really taught the business side of the industry right away. And that should be like the first thing because you have to understand that to be able to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Even just like, I just finished a project um, in Philadelphia that was really, really artistically amazing, um, challenging. And I worked with two um to no three teenage actors and I I was acting in this project Mm. and one of the things I realized when I was on set because I became this sort of de facto acting coach for the teenagers because a lot of them were you know in early stages of their careers obviously and I was helping to communicate between them and um, you know the AD and the director and everyone else about how the day was going to go because like they don't know necessarily how to read a call sheet or what order the shots are going to be done in and different directors do it differently. I mean, most people start with a wide, but sometimes you're only going to get a two shot. Sometimes you're going to get a close up and a medium close. Like you just, they don't ever tell you this information when you walk onto the set. They're just like, okay, here we go ready. But like, it was a really heavy uh, subject matter and we needed to pace ourselves you know, like, when is it my coverage? When is it um, their coverage? And when's my close up? Not that I'm not going to give, you know, a lot in the wide, but I, it's, it's, it's heavy. And we have enough resistance to the material already that we Mm -hmm. don't need to blow it on, you know, when they're still kind of tweaking the lighting, you know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. So I was like, why doesn't anyone teach the rhythm of a shoot to actors? Why, why is it, why aren't um, people on set ADs taught about the, the or, or directors taught about the necess- necessity of prepping actors for that rhythm and keeping mm-hmm. us informed and letting us know of changes, even changes to pickup times. Like yeah. my pickup time changed by 45 minutes. And I was like, no, but I'm in an emotional place now where I need to go into hair and makeup. Like for that 45 minutes makes me sit in this shit pie for another 45 minutes that I don't need to be sitting in. Right. You know, so there's so much to learn because there's so many moving pieces just within the 
act of production itself, never mind like taking a project to market or trying to raise the money for it or, you know. So it was really challenging for me because I was wearing the hat of, um, you know, supporting these these um, emerging actors and also trying to support and pace myself. And then also I just know a lot about filmmaking. So like mm-hmm. supporting the director and it was a master's thesis film. So they all had a lot of experience, but not necessarily a professional, like long career. So there's a lot of things that I just knew being a director or being a producer that mm-hmm. I was like, or I've been an AD and I was just like, here's, here, here's some information about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is how this could be easier for you. And I find that actors just like, know we know so much. Like most actors that I know are really smart, yeah. really smart and really multi-talented and we're not used by production for the things that we know and the ways that we could help before, during pre-production, during and after, especially for promotion and all of that kind of stuff. It's like this massive asset that just isn't being utilized. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of us, you know, wear multiple hats, have done multiple things, but even the people who haven't like created their own project, if you've been on set enough, you're, you're super familiar with it. And like you said, like we're smart people, you know, and yeah, I think definitely actors are underused a lot. No, I love that you highlight that and voice that because we have, we have more so a lot of directors and producers and a lot of them are open to a collaborative kind of environment with the actor. And we get asked to ourselves on the show, like how, how, how do you as an actor like to communicate with the director? Do you like Mm -hmm. direction? And even the way people are given um, direction is kind of personal and is, you know, personal to that actor. But I think we should be able to, have more of these collaborative conversations before in pre-production let's say like we should probably sit down and be like okay so we know we have this coming up this scene or this day like how should we work around that especially Mm -hmm. if it is like an emotionally draining you know material and stuff Mm because man I can't imagine having to have to like yeah, hold something out or do something like 20 times and, and then, and then your the work suffers at the end of the yeah. day. And like, you know, you don't want to have to, then you, in the producer hat, you're like, oh, I have to now do a retake if we don't get it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that ends up adding costs. So I love that you bring that up because I think, especially as independent filmmakers, we have the opportunity because we're a smaller team Mm -hmm. to work those things out and grow like by working those things out. Um, those like kinks. So yeah, is there anything like, um, tips or something you would say to like an independent filmmaker on how to better those conversations or hiring the right people in that Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, I think it's like, just assume that people know more than you think they do. I think that Mm -hmm. there's these, it's part of the patriarchal hierarchy that has been, you know, sort of um, created around the auteur director, and it's actually just not like helpful for anybody mm-hmm. um, to think of directors that way, least of all the directors. Um, and this particular director actually shared the shot schedule with me, um, I, the shot list actually with me before I even left to get on the plane because I was, I had a conflict. I had a commercial come up. I was on hold for, and I was trying to figure out, 
you know, could we lose, could I not be there for rehearsal and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so they shared it with me and, and felt, you know, I understand being a director. I understand the hesitancy in ever sharing your shot list. Like you, it's because it's not done yet, you know, but like, I think <laughs> it, like it's never done, but I, <laughs> I love spill the tea on that. Yeah. Like shit. What do I do here? Okay. No, it's never done. But like the more people, sometimes the more people you include the better, but like actors just have this voice. Like everybody's got their own agenda on set. Every single person. For and sure. I realized in, in, um, you know, in this shoot that I was on where I was like, oh my God, they're not getting close-ups. And I know they're not getting close-ups because I'm the one not getting a close-up, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Sh- you know, listen, yo, I made this mistake once before on my project I was directing. I didn't get close-ups. And the reason you don't get close-ups is because your cinematographer, you're relying on them for like, to help you get the coverage that you need, except guess what shots they want to do? like not the close-ups because yeah. close-ups all look the same, <laughs> you know, it's like same old lighting, same old framing, but like they want the big sweeping shots and you get carried away with that because you're trying to make your mark as a filmmaker. But like the story can't be told without the close-ups. You have no emotional story. Right. And it's just like so easy to miss that, especially in your early days as a director. And if you don't have a communication, like if the actor doesn't feel safe to say that kind of stuff to you, you're not going to hear it because Mm -hmm. everyone else has such different agendas. Like who's really there looking out for the story. I mean, I thought it was my scripty, but it wasn't my scripty. I don't know what the hell they were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Cause like, you know, continuity wasn't a real big issue on that particular shoot. And then here's the other thing on this last shoot I was on, I was supporting the other actors and helping them because neither of them had cried before on cue. Mm -hmm. So like, it was like, you know, here, I'm going to, I'm going to work them up into that state and help them with that, which was awesome. But I'm sitting in front of the monitor with the scripty and I'm like, oh, that I, there's I see there's that shadow there's this like I'm seeing all this shit on oh my god I just have the eye and like of course they're seeing all this stuff too but like you I just have a different eye you know what I mean and and so I'm like (laughs) you know jumping around and then and then to go from being behind the camera and being able to offer so much there and then being like okay now you have to be in front of the camera you have to let go of your ego because now you think you know everything because you saw a boom in the shot or whatever (laughs) (laughs) now you gotta let go of that and go and be so vulnerable and lose in this scene like the scene was about me losing and the humility that this character required and it was like oh my god it was really amazing and really challenging and it it made me more confident you know after you've directed something it's really nice to go on another set and not direct and um it's like holding someone's baby after you have like a teenager like you're like (laughs) oh look how cute they are yeah this is easy I could do this again you know you kind of forget Um, but it, it, it made me like want to maybe do it again at some point. Are you a podcaster like us? Vlogger, interview conductor? Do you need a VO booth or ADR? Remote audio video professional recording? Ooh, Tessa spilled the tea. 
Well, the Network Studios in Culver City is a fully functional recording oasis with multiple rooms made to cater specifically to audio podcasts, video interviews, and voiceover, plus an experienced sound engineer with the ability to edit and master, all your needs will be covered. Audio engineer extraordinaire Mike Casentini has worked with several podcast heavy hitters and got us started from the ground up. He's the reason we sound so good. Plus, all of our in-studio guests have been very impressed. To find out more, visit www.thenetworkstudios.com and book your next recording session. COVID compliant and open for business. Also, I think, you know, just to kind of segue a little bit into some of the stuff that we were talking about Mm -hmm. uh, in the early days, early days, (laughs) four months ago, however long ago it was, um, about you guys and the multiple hats that you wear and about Mm -hmm. finding, you know, where your heart lives. Um, And I think that one of the things that's helped me so much you know, through quarantine is exactly that, like, like being willing to be so deeply in love with this art form that I am, I am just completely humbled by it. I'm completely like, I'm just worshiping on the altar of acting as often as I can and, and um, gone deeper into the thing than I've ever gone. And with no hope in sight, of uh ever working (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's like you're I'm just so in love I'm so in love with it again like I was when I first started and I've had lots of um you know fights with it and terrible moments even during the class I was just in Mm -hmm. like an hour ago I was like what am I doing I hate this and then I was like (laughs) look I'll stop talking in a minute but like you can't you can't keep having this conversation you're either in this or you're not this is not a conversation we're going to have anymore you know Mm -hmm. and and if you do decide to let go of this art form at some point in your life you're going to do it with love and it's not going to be a temper tantrum so that's enough um and, and and you know those temper tantrums just come up when I get when I get close to being vulnerable again mm-hmm. so all that to say that um it's all good. Like doing all the things is all good. Just as long as I'm doing it from a place of like internal motivation and humility and love for the thing and not from a place of, I have to do all of these things because I'm scared. I'm not a good enough actor Mm -hmm. and no one will hire me. So I have to produce my own work or like out of frustration or proving or any of that stuff. Like it's fine you know, if it kicks off the, the thing, it helps you learn, but it's just, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. What's sustainable is like, you know, admitting you are powerless over the addiction that you have to the yeah. thing you love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think being an artist is one of those things that it's like, it, no matter what your artist, your art is, you know, whether it's acting or if, like filmmaking or being a musician or whatever. It's like, this is a career in which you're going to be spending all your own money. You're going to, there's no guarantee of any work. Like it's like the hardest thing to possibly pursue. So you've got to love it. Like you've got to not be able to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, personally with like producing, for instance, um, 
you know, I started doing that with Carolina because I felt like I had to, and it wasn't something that I really loved, but now at this point, it's like, I can't help it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be on sets as an actor and it'll be like a beginner filmmaker. And like you said, like, you'll notice things that, you know, are, are wrong or could be better or whatever. And I tell myself like, don't even just be an actor, but I can't help it. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just can't help it. <laughs> and then I yell at Tessa. I'm like, Tessa, you're only a producer for Femme Regard. So st- <laughs> Stop taking up all this shit. You yeah. work for me. No, we, we, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but it's like uh, something I really loved, Mandy. When yeah, when we chatted, that you know, you surfaced some of my insecurities with uh, just wanting to wear, wanting to be okay with just wanting to be an actor or like wearing the artist hat and um, not letting my entrepreneurial endeavors just always like be fear-based and, and taking over, um, the artist in me, which Mm -hmm. happens a lot because I'm just like, I, I need money. I need to survive out here. So how can I continue to do that? But also, um, something that I think that was so great that we covered is there's a space for like everything and we can work in balance and we can, um, navigate both. And I, cause I really feel like I am both, I am both like, a the, producer business person wanting but I'm also so much of a creative is still like it's in the root of me it's mm-hmm. like that is what I love so mm-hmm. it's uh I think that was something really great that we touched on and um I don't know for our listeners any advice that you would want to reiterate um from our conversation just on how do you put pr- like how do you maintain both or, or and is it really like a a something one can do, which I think you can, I think you can navigate through both. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a process. <laughs> I think you have to know <laughs> yeah. when to let the actor or artist thrive and when to let the business side also mm-hmm. like help you grow and, and mm-hmm. sustain yourself. Well, I think you, you know, it starts with asking yourself, what the motivation is behind the impulse before you act, you know, (laughs) like take action, let's say. Mm -hmm. So is Mm -hmm. this coming from fear or is it coming from love? And, and, you know, some of the consulting clients that I've been working with, we do um, an activity where they write out all the projects that they want to create or everything from, I mean, I had one person write down, drink water and put it on a sticky note and the pile of all the things they feel like they need to do in a day. Yeah. Like we're mostly just kicking our own ass all day, you know? And, <laughs> and like, and then I was like, separate all these things, that book you want to write, the films you feel like you need to read scripts for blah, blah, blah. And, and w- what is motivated by fear and what is motivated by love? When you can start to ask that question, you start to see where, um, you know, where your heart lies, where your artist wants to live. And the artist can live in business. It's very creative to finance yeah, yeah, yeah. a film and produce a film and, and, and work out all of the pieces. But it's, if it's coming from a place that's motivated by fear, it's, that's what I mean by it not being sustainable. Mm. And the other thing that's really interesting to look at is, is that, you know, being an artist is a very feminine energy. Um, being an actor in particular in the way that sets are structured can be a very feminine energy. You are the receiver of the information and you are um, holding space for the, like, let's call it that divine 
spark of inspiration to move through you and execute and meet the script and meet the character. Producing, you know, it, everyone approaches it differently, but, but producing can be a very masculine energy mm-hmm. um, driven by um, results and shapes and shapes by what I mean by shapes is like, you know, spreadsheets and concrete things that show up and get set up and, you know, even light is like a shape, lighting something. So a lot of the the stuff that's happening in production is masculine. So think about how many people there are on a set with this masculine energy and how many people there are on a set with this feminine energy and how much masculine energy the feminine needs to receive and process on a set, right? Mm-hmm. And so even, even if you take the set as the microcosm for the world, you walk around in the world and the world is full of masculine energy. So you see, you know, artists like Marilyn Monroe, for example, who's this very, you know, had, had perfected executing the feminine energy, perfected the character of the feminine energy. And she's this iconic figure that just will not go away because we're so out of balance as a society between the masculine and the feminine. <laughs> so what does that mean? And that's why I say like the humility and the the sort of like surrendering to the, this altar that I worship on as an artist, as an actor um, is, is I feel in part um, surrendering to that feminine energy and being able to receive what is given to you on set and then translate that into what you know to do with your art form like you know when you said earlier about directors asking how do you like to be directed it's completely impossible to answer that question because for me it's like different scene to scene moment to moment day to day as to what I want from a director or what I need Mm. and I have this wonderful teacher that I studied with Gregory Berger Sobeck he runs the Berg studio in in LA and he teaches at Yale he does their on-camera work and private coaches for um like the Lupita Nyong'o and all these wonderful actors he says directing is translation Mm. so when somebody gives you a direction your job is to translate it into the language that you speak as an actor and then execute what they're asking for. Um, you know, and, and directors have their own thing that they want to feel like I have worked with directors who want to just walk up to me before a scene and give me the backstory of my character, which like doesn't always help. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's going to piss me off that they're giving me that backstory, but I'm going to translate that into my character. Okay. So now my Mandy's angry. So that means my character is angry so how am I going to channel that into the sadness that I'm supposed to execute <laughs> on the third word of the second line of the speech? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like tears turn tears. Now it's like, oh my God, how do I set this up for myself? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's practice in all of these forms. And the deeper I get into all of these art forms, writing, directing, producing, they're all art forms, acting, the more I realize that within myself, it's about balancing the masculine and feminine and knowing when each one um, is, uh, it's safe, when it's, when and where it's safe for each one to exist, you know, Mm -hmm. like I couldn't have been on that set and, and supported 
the project in the way that I did if that director wasn't so incredibly safe. I felt so safe mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. like to the point where we were screaming at each other before a take. They were yelling at me and saying, you're a bad mother. And I was like, fuck up. <laughs> fuck yeah. up. And in that moment, I was like charging into the, the scene, you know, and and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to work together. Again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this is the way it should be. You know, yeah. no one's I mean, taking it personally. It's just art. Right. And that's so important to feel that, like, to feel safe, you know, to feel comfortable, to feel like you can experiment, to feel like you can translate, which I love that you like that you said that, that you have to translate, you know, direction that's given to you or feelings that come up or whatever. Um, yeah, that's, it's just so important because you can't like thrive and experiment and let it all out if you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Well, and oftentimes we have to, mm-hmm. like I had this other teacher, a Meisner teacher I worked with in Toronto named John Ribbon, who I also just think is a mad genius. Mm-hmm. And, um, he said, you know, the reason we do Meisner, all he does is repetition. He does nothing else. The reason that we do this is because when you're on a set, you're under duress. Mm-hmm. So this is teaching you how to make decisions. It's like a jump shot over and over again, repeat, 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 make the decision whether to jump off the cliff and take a risk and go into the unknown or do what's safe and what you know, go back to your tricks, cry, whatever your tricks are over and over again. You're just practicing that, Mm. you know, and, and, and you need to do it in this kind of intense situation because when you're on set, you're under duress. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on. It's like impossible to human on a set. Never mind open yourself so up and true. be vulnerable and for everybody everyone is so triggered and, and if the if the material's any good everyone's so screwed up by that in <laughs> itself you know yeah totally amazing um well I love I love all the things that you're saying and the kind of um advice that you're giving, but also like perspective, you know, of of ways to look at it, of being on set. So I don't want to give like everything away that, you know, (laughs) but let our listeners know how they can contact you. Um, what exactly kind of you do as a consultant, um, you know, how they can get the most out of that and everything. Yeah. I, I work with only a few clients, Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it really is very, um, personal and intensive work and, um, what I'm finding there's two types. One is a multi-hyphenate artist and the other type is a, is a company. So the companies that I work with, I think I do the best work when they are trying to find clarity around why they're doing what they're doing and what it is that they really want. And, mm-hmm. oh, Hey, that's the exact same work that I do for multi-hyphenate artists, <laughs> because it's really hard to get clear sometimes as to what is the fear and what is the love. It's easy for me to just say that to you, decide what's coming from fear and what's coming. Well, your ego's really smart and it's going to tell you that everything's coming from love. (laughs) (laughs) If that's the kind of mood it's in. So really doing a deep dive into helping you come to terms with the things that you already know. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then being able to take action toward those things with, with the support of somebody who's been there for the most part, I've pretty much taken all the wrong turns and made all the, all the um, quote unquote wrong decisions to get me to the place where I feel really right in my life. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, usually I work with people through referrals and um, 
You can also find me on Instagram at Manda Murhead, M-A-N-D-A-M-U-R-H-E-A-D, which is some name that my next door neighbor made up for me <laughs> when I was like three. I don't know. I didn't think Instagram was going to be a thing. So I just like right. put that on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> and also um, for our listeners to find the projects you've created, like, is that through your Instagram as well? Cause you have some really creative, like fun stuff that you've made, you know? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my show mother was on a show called Rachel Dratch's late night snack, which was on true TV. And I've actually uh, pirated my own <laughs> uh, episodes. <laughs> and they're also on my Instagram. Because why not? Um, they're on the YouTube, I think, too. Um, and then I have another show called Rapping with Actors, which is a talk show that's on Amazon Prime. And uh, Trophies is one that I'm working on right now, which is a show about all-star cheerleading. And um, that is on their Instagram channel, Trophies TV. Uh, yeah. So oh, very cool. Instagram dies. Yeah. Perfect. And I think that's it. I don't know. Who knows? Ah! Ah! <laughs> And I've been doing like these song monologues that I'm having a lot of fun with. Um, nice. I'm putting them up on Instagram too. So that's all there. All there. Song Fantastic. monologues. Love that. Yeah. And she raps guys and she tap dances and <laughs> not, I don't talk. No, dance she well. doesn't. I'm no, no, yeah. no, doesn't do that. I was just but trying she to, does, she does rap. She, she does, does rap. rap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> listeners check her out she's a lot of fun um if you are interested in her consulting contact us we'll connect you guys you know and yeah thank you listeners as always thank you mandy so much for coming on today this was an awesome chat like i could talk to you for another hour <laughs> just on this just yeah, on exactly. like like it breaking it down and i think that you really gave our listeners an awesome perspective that isn't talked about a lot and mm -hmm. so i really appreciate you being so open about your experiences and and like what what we need to think about when we're on set when there's like 10 million things to think about because yeah. everyone's under the pressure and we all get that you know mm. so I really I think that was a, a really awesome perspective to for us to touch on today so thank you on that thank you thanks for listening to Fem Regard podcast if you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 